Hi, we're Auction Conservation, and this is the Shoe Room Sessions. Good morning, James. Welcome to the Shoe Room. Thank you very much. Um, is this your first to-camera podcast-style style thing? Yeah. Yeah, other, if you don't count, like, uni, like, pre-recording video stuff, this yeah. is, like, an actual, yeah. First. Exciting. Um, who are you and what do you do? So, I'm James Ormer. I'm a natural capital analyst at Oxygen Conservation. So, I've got a background in economics, did my undergrad in economics. Uh, so, I work with a lot of data and modelling of the Excel variety. Um, my title obviously is natural capital analyst, but I kind of do work across the board. I get to work with all of our lovely team, um, but yeah, with a focus on natural capital. Awesome. How on earth did you come to be part of Oxygen Conservation? So, it must have been 2019 where it all started. So I think, as is often the case with you, my first interaction with you was feedback. <laughs> so you need to give people some context. Okay, this. so. I was applying for university, so I was doing my cover letter, my CV, my personal statement, and my dad knew this guy who was like really good at writing all these things and checking and, and making it, you know, polishing it, making it look a lot nicer. Uh, so I think he sent it off to yourself, and I got some feedback. And Delicate, light touch. Yeah, yeah, really, really nice. I mean, it's probably all red, uh, similar to the feedback I get from Chris now. <laughs> all my work just, yeah, changed all of it. Um, really, really good, though. That's That's a good thing, by the way. Um, and so that was the start. Then the following summer, so I'd done a year at uni. So following Birmingham, Birmingham economics, economics yeah. first year, uh, as is often the case, or I found, so going to uni, doing an economics degree in the business school, you walk in and everyone's like, I'm going to be an investment banker. Like, this is what's going to happen. It's, it's banking, it's asset management. It's sometimes consultancy. Um, and so that's kind of what I thought. I was like, yeah, going to be a banker, going to earn loads of money, going to work like 24 hours a day it's gonna be sweet um went to like two or three banking talks and i was like you know what <laughs> don't want to be an investment banker this sounds horrendous um what was it that sounded horrendous they so it was actually investment bankers coming in to talk to us and say look this is what i do this is this is what investment banking is and they all looked miserable didn't sell it at all they were like yep you're gonna work really hard is it fun no what do you do sit at desk all day it's yeah crunch numbers sort of thing and i was like you're trying you're coming to a university to try and get people to yeah, come into investment upside. banking this is the upside uh so i was quite quickly like yeah no um and then i can't remember how exactly but i started talking to you again and i think you offered me uh a bit of work experience at your uh the company you're at previously shout out to sanctus as well as that i had expressed to you that i was looking at doing some consulting so you put me in contact with our lovely head of people now andrew yeah. Uh, who was also in Birmingham at the time. Yeah, he was so, working with WSP at the time. Yeah. yeah. So I went for a coffee with him and set up. I think it was going to be like an unofficial couple of weeks work experience there. As well as that, I'd set up another couple of weeks work experience with my old GCSE maths teacher uh, doing some trading. So I, I was still interested in trading. I kind of did a society, uh, I think it was Forex trading for a little bit. Um, I, I didn't think I was very good at it. I didn't fully understand it at the time. Um, but I wanted to learn a bit more, so I set that up. Anyway, that's the summer COVID hit, and the only person who didn't fall through on my work experience was yourself. So uh, I ended up doing a full summer rather than a few weeks at different places. I did a full summer with you. Uh, it, it was unofficial, so it was just like you giving me tasks here and there. 
Uh, and you were working at the same time still, right? Yeah, I, I think I was doing just like a summer job. I worked at, it's like a, a garden products company. Um, so yeah, you were just giving me off tasks here and there, which I was really interested just trying to like get into like, it felt like that was the working world. What I was doing at, over summer was like a, a summer job. It wasn't like what I wanted to go into later on. Yeah. And this felt like almost like a gateway. Um, and then I was fortunate to go into the office for a week as well. So met everyone there. So that, that was my first sort of experience meeting you. That was the first time I met you actually, when I came into What's the it? office. Right. Okay. Um, a lot shorter than I expected because it'd been teams calls before then. Thank you very much, James. Appreciate <laughs> that. Shout out to Dan, who's going to be pissing himself at a journey at my height. Um, so yeah, really good work experience there. And then the following summer you'd started OC. So and very much me and Dan at this point, you and Dan, yeah. like literally right at the start and same thing you said do you want to come do some work experience i was like yeah i'd love to again unofficial because you know it's so early on you can offer me anything proper like internship wise uh so similar similar vibe i think it was slightly more intense but it was also a lot more interesting because it was so new and you were kind of like i didn't really know what's going on here yeah um we have an idea it was just kind of quite wild. would have been like two months into oc this is super yeah. early proper proper early so yeah, again, first, no, not first time I met Dan. Second time I met Dan, I, I loved Dan. He was he was good at the start. Um, then he started roasting me a lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, another really successful summer working for you. Following summer, uh, I think the team's now six to eight people. It sounds about right, yeah. Uh, and you offered me an official internship, so a paid internship, uh, which I was delighted to accept, of course. And... Again, I think I worked really hard, worked hard enough to uh, to be invited back after I decided to leave and do a master's. Um, so, yeah, so, just on that, you, um, so you left your master's. One thing that stood out with the, the team, so at this point, I think you were working more closely with other members of the team than me. Yep. And um, Katie tells a story about how you came in to have lunch with her at Oxygen House and you'd followed up on two other pieces of work of people who hadn't got back to you during your internship after you'd gone yeah. and she was just like oh my god that is the commitment we need to see from everyone so she was she loved that yeah if you get the stamp of approval from katie it's all exactly me. yeah although i did kind of taint that a little bit when i came back didn't i um yeah you did we won't go into that um <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah we will yeah we will james was cocky to katie so spent two weeks straight doing modeling that katie made him do yeah it was a very we had a really good time in um i'm not gonna be able to pronounce it austin does vendum plasen sorry derek yeah there and, you know, we had a really good day. We were having a, a lovely team dinner in the evening. Everyone had a couple of drinks and we were joking around. You got a bit and then I thought we were still joking around and Katie made a comment and I thought it was like a, like a sarcastic comment. So I responded very sarcastically and I uh, paid the price for that. You did, yeah. Yeah. Great piece of modeling work on the back of it though. Yeah. Thanks, dude. Yeah. Appreciate that. It was really fun. Okay. So first internship and then you decided to do what? So I left to do a master's in management at Exeter University. So... It's quite hard to justify why I did it. I wanted, I wanted to have a master's. That was my reasoning for do it, doing it. If I were to do, if I were to go back, I probably would have done a master's, but I would have done something very different. So, no, what you know now, what masters would you do now? I don't know. Something more specific. So, I went from economics to management. So, two very broad topics. I wish I'd gone for something more specific, even if it was like, uh, I don't know. Even something like fintech, maybe something just like a little bit more niche, I could learn something more about, or something more environmental, I guess, which would have been a lot more useful. Having heard 
uh, Chris's experience. So he did environmental economics. Yeah. And he a lot of that's now flowed through into what we do at OC. I, I don't think it's a bad idea. I think the fact that, I mean, I always thought the better route for you would have been to do an MBA, but that wasn't available straight. You had to have two years work experience. And I knew for a fact, if I didn't do it straight after my undergrad, I wouldn't come back, especially coming to somewhere like OC. Like you don't want to leave to go back to uni. No, so I, I think having yeah. having a relatively generalist master's, I think probably long-term will stand you in good stead. But I can appreciate now why something more specific might uh, might appear to be useful. So you went back to do the master's? Yep. Um, during that, I I didn't have too much contact with you, to be honest. Until um, I did a podcast. Yeah, until we did a podcast. Uh, so I'd kind of... I, I overthink things quite a lot sometimes. So over time, we hadn't spoken for a while. I was gradually thinking, maybe I'm not going back after summer because we hadn't like officially agreed anything. It was no, just like- and a... we didn't have a role at the time. So we're still growing, didn't know where we were in terms of a team. So from, like I wanted to find a role for you, but I didn't know that I definitely had one. Yeah. So you doing the masters actually was good timing. So yeah, as I left, you'd said to me, what would you say if I asked you to stay right now? Two weeks before I was due to start my masters. So obviously I said, no, I've sorted all my finance, all of my accommodation, everything. So. Yeah. That was just a bit too late for me to decide right then. Um, so yeah, fast forward throughout my degree, as I was saying, I kind of thought, okay, maybe I'm not coming back. Uh, not like for any particular reason, just because I hadn't spoken to you. I, I didn't yeah. want to hold on to that idea if it wasn't there. Um, and you appeared on a podcast and sent me a link. And in this podcast, I can't remember the exact phrasing, was it? You can learn more from YouTube than any master's degree on offer. I, I was being somewhat disparaging about master's programs being a bit out of date. Yeah. Yeah. Then I got a call from you saying, was that aimed at me? Yeah. Like, Might be. Just yeah. directed at me. Uh, and then from that, I kind of, I asked you to do something to kind of help my cohort understand yeah. a bit more about what you do and, um, and what goes on here. But uni's really slow, slow and weird and, I offered this to the senior lecturer at the time and she was kind of like, yeah. But I also, you, you then followed up and said, okay, I'll come in and do something like in front of a live audience. And then I knew that the audience would be tiny because people at uni, like a lot of people don't care enough yeah. to come to these extracurricular things. And I thought, you know, if you come in and it's just me and two other people, I'd be really embarrassed. Yeah, because I would have done it for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah then I can't remember exactly when we then had a follow-up conversation but you uh, offered me a full time but at that point Chris had come in um our director of natural capital and it and the volume and, and sheer quantity of work him and Lara were producing there was that perfect fit that yeah. could align you your work ethic your interest with the most amazing role model and mentor moving forward so let's touch on that bit what's it like working with Chris on a day-to-day basis it's incredible um first of all he was there during my internship yeah yeah only yours <clears throat> just yeah. so you delayed starting my internship so that he would be there so that i could report directly to him straight away um and that was probably the biggest change going from the first unofficial work experience to to this was that i was now talking to someone else and it is quite strange like i was talking to only you pretty much in the first one yeah then, like, i need x y research this look at that can you make contact just anything yeah. all hands on deck right yeah and then the next time it's like okay i talked to rich like maybe once a week like it, it changes drastically um but yeah working for chris is really like he's He's so intelligent and he taught me so much. So during that internship, um, just the Excel knowledge that he passed on to me was ridiculous. And I then used that in my masters. Um, there was a, literally a module on Excel and I was like, sweet. 
easy. <laughs> I got like ninety six percent or something because you know Chris had just taught me everything. It just it, it was just too easy. Um, so yeah, the knowledge he's just passed to me is is insane, and I learn more every day. I still don't know like a percent of what he does. Um, so it's really really interesting just to be around him and listen to what he says um, to other people as well. You know, just being in calls and sitting in the background is is amazing. Just um, he comes up with something new every single time, so it's great. Um, he's also like really chill as like a line manager. He um, he's really understanding and just kind of just lets me do my thing. I think that helps. The personality fit, I think, is so important with, with any in a small team when you've got a direct reporting relationship with something. It's so important because what you experience is chilled and laid back. Chris gives a hell of a lot of feedback. In a very much of my model, it's direct, it's honest, and the standard doesn't drop. Yeah. So you know, there's a standard joke: you don't ask Chris for feedback on a Friday because you yeah. can get twelve pages. Yeah. And um, but it's true, right? It's constant. But I love that though because. Especially at the start, when I got that much feedback, I'd learned so quickly because I'd learned, like, the, for example, the weekly update. So he asked me to do a couple of pieces to begin with. He'd send me feedback and it'd be pages long. Like, he'd just, the whole, he'd send me feedback a Word was doc. longer back. than the... Yeah. yeah. In fact, he, he just sent me a Word doc back and uh, he'd make track changes and the whole thing would be read. Like, literally not a single thing uh, would be the same other than maybe like an and, an if, or a but or something. Um and I learned so quickly from that. It's got to the stage now where it's just like, yeah, I've made a few changes. Obviously, a few changes for Chris, still a lot of changes, but it's not like this whole Word document of of change. Like, the feedback is is really, really good. Why do you think you're so open to that amount of feedback? Because some people, it lands like a punch in the belly every time. Why, are you come, why do you welcome it? I want to improve. I want to be at Chris's level. So, you know, if, if he feeds back on every single thing, I can improve on each and every one of those things. That sentence is almost right. You don't want to be at Chris's level. I want to be above Chris's level. You want to be above Chris's level. You better. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, yeah, I always love you, but. Um, let's talk about hard work. So, I'm, this, I'm hoping this goes out to our next group of interns that come so we can lay out with, with Esme and you. We're going to record Abby's later what it looks like and what it takes to be successful because we, we always try and put it out there. And I overplay because I, I would hate for people to come to OC and think, oh, God, I had no idea I was expected to work at. I had no idea everyone put so much into it. So what's the reality like from a hard work perspective? I feel like as people, we know if we work hard and everyone at OC works ridiculously hard, some more than others. Um, I think that was a compliment, Josh. Josh is behind the camera and Jay's kind of looked at him. Don't know if he's giving him shit that he doesn't work hard or he... Josh works a huge amount. Uh, yeah, Josh is, I was only joking. Um, hard work. Hard work. It's what does it look like on a day to day basis for people? So I, I struggle to comprehend how hard I work because I love what I do. So I I'm I'm usually like, okay, I'm, I'm just working and then Hannah, my girlfriend, will say, Why are you still working? It's like ten o'clock at night or or my friends will be like, I've just done my nine to five, I'm not even thinking about work right now, like like what are you doing? Um so I, I kind of I do struggle to comprehend it. So time it time spent on work is obviously one of the, the biggest things. Yeah. Um like it's not just a it's not a nine to five it's a constant you know process of of learning of communicating with the team and and it was like, a good example the other night i think so we're working on a really exciting piece of work at the minute the models workflow throughout what everyone does that, that you're building which is great and i remember messaging you going oh where are we with this and it was in the evening i had no idea what time it was so message you you're like literally it makes us watching football you'll have it and then half an hour later being it arrives back in my inbox because you would got back through the door and you would sent it through so I think that flexibility is a key part of it as well. 
you know, um, the request might come at any time and you're so amazing at just jumping on it and delivering. Yeah. Yeah. Having, I know a lot of people probably wouldn't like this, but I think it's part of what we do is having like teams and emails and stuff on your personal phone. If I didn't, I wouldn't be able to work nearly as hard as I do because I do half of it from my phone when I'm, um, like, I guess out of work hours, like, like what you're saying. Yeah. And if I'm at my mate's house, checking my phone, if I get an email from, I think the anyone. important bit has got to be it, the balance has got to be there as well. So like, I don't, and Chris doesn't care where you are or what you're doing if you're delivering on stuff. Yeah. So, um, jo Josh is behind the camera and he said, uh, he told me about going to a party with a load of mates and he was sat around editing photos at this party with his mate. Brilliant. Fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, I think it's like the surfing analogy, right? I always think no one tells a professional surfer to surf less. I was like, great. So if, if you do love what you're doing and, and for anyone who's interested in OC and thank you so much for all the people that ask us about jobs on a day-to-day -day basis, don't come here if you don't want to be obsessed by this. None of us are normal. We're not trying to be normal. We're trying to do stuff that's super special, but you've got to love it. If you don't, it's not the place for you, I don't think. Exactly. And like I was saying a minute ago, if you do love it this much, it doesn't feel like hard work. It just feels like, yeah, okay, you do long hours sometimes and you get asked to do things on, on weekends or whatever, but it doesn't feel, it's not like a, a burden. You're like, okay, yeah, I'll do that because I really enjoy this and I want to, to speed up the process. So I feel, and everyone works like in that way. So yeah, Charles, the same way he describes it as addictive. Yeah, because probably for most people, it's the first time in their career where they haven't just been the one that's pushing hard and and it's lonely and they're the last one working late and that they're looking around and everyone's working. So you go, oh, can I get involved in that? Or even if I find it like, even if you're not directly involved in something, oh, can I get involved in that? Or can I join that meeting? Or, because the answer is yes with us. There's a whole range of stuff to get involved with. Yeah, and I think that because everyone has that mentality and is prepared to work hard, it's just going to help us scale and do what we want to do so much faster. Um, yeah, it's, it's just really exciting. And cool. Yeah. So the, the key part about that, so in the coming months, we're, we're probably going to be positioned as the country, if not the world's leading natural capital asset management firm. For people who don't know, James, what is natural capital? Natural capital is... Um, essentially making nature a commodity uh it's like generally i'd say natural capital is the stock of assets through which individuals banks businesses uh can fight against climate change whether that's for the right reasons or the wrong reasons like i don't know uh it's different for everyone but that's like the the flow of money to help fight against climate change is through natural capital so it, it's, you know, woodland creation, peatland restoration, biodiversity net gain, um, all that sort of jazz. That's, that's like the general view I'd give it. For an OC perspective, I'd say it's probably like at the heart of what we do. So from a couple of different perspectives as well. So first of all, it's how we scale conservation. So woodland creation, uh, not just any old woodlands as well, enhancing the biodiversity through planting native broadleaf woodlands, you know, right trees, right places. Um, all that sort of good stuff, as well as the sequestering of carbon. Uh, same for peatland restoration and biodiversity net gain. You know, it's all enhancing the biodiversity uh, and quality of our sites, I'd say. You know, we are restoring sites as well as creating financial returns, I guess. And that's first, so, right? Yeah, it's, it's that's first. Conservation. Uh, and the reason why I say it's, I'd say it's at the heart of what we do is because it sort of pumps the money through OC as well. So that's 
the natural capital is where we're going to get a lot of our revenue from and be able to then pump that into you know buying new sites or planting more trees elsewhere scaling conservation further um because we can generate financial returns from doing so there's there's so much money flowing literally to do bad in the world you just have to see the government announcing massive additional funding there was, there was an announcement last week somewhere in the region of 10 billion extra funding for rosebank oil fields and 500 million for environmental projects who who sat there announcing that going got it got the comms line this is it put that out there it's just it's it's literally like setting fire to someone's house and handing them a bucket of water okay, it's great it's great we've got this covered don't you worry you've got a backup plan just just awful um in 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 terms of natural capital what what are you most excited about the future what in the next year two years do you think we'll see in the natural capital economy just for its growth i guess just seeing more of it seeing the market grow seeing your carbon curve come into fruition based on the the increasing levels of natural capital and people uh increasing it for the right reasons not for example big oil companies just planting loads of trees just to offset their own emissions before they've you know tried to um reduce them in the first place um for oc as well just you know planting so many trees this is kind of a going to be a bit of a cheat for your last question that you normally ask about scaling conservation but i'm really excited and i really hope we can see this that we scale conservation to the extent where we can start seeing little dents in like global figures of like carbon sequestration levels or uh, climate change mitigation you know like the curve slightly like dropping off because we've done enough to to make that change well, i'm not going to see this but you and the other early career professionals we've got you've got a chance of seeing bear hill to fully mature woodland and forest on the states that we own. It's incredible, isn't it? I mean, that is incredible. It's also slightly depressing because that's the first time I've realized I'm not going to see those, <laughs> those woodlands before you guys put me out to pasture and replace me. <laughs> like, wow, okay. And I hope you do. Yeah, say a bit. Okay, uh, so um, I want to pivot slightly, James, to the people who might be sat there going into uni now where you were a few years ago. If, if they want a career in the environment sector, what advice would you give them to go about making it happen? Get busy living or get busy dying. So by that, I mean, if if you really want to get into the sector, but you haven't had the opportunity, you haven't found the right roles, you haven't gotten through the processes far enough. Um, I've So I've had the, the privilege recently of looking at a lot of the applications and CVs of individuals. And the ones that stand out are those that have uh, gone to Japan to monitor uh, bear levels in local communities or walked across countries to uh, just because they want to interact with the natural environment of that country or swimming with orcas in Norway. Like these Which amazing... Did last week. Yeah, someone did that last week. Uh, just like these incredible things that are related to the roles, but they don't have to be like a job, showing that you really do care about the natural world and, you know, natural capital and all these sorts of things like even if it is a holiday like i love that 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 those are the best things i always read cv end first yes that's the interesting bit. do i want to talk to this person about what they're doing because we're so fortunate with the position we're from a talent perspective we're only able to hire one percent of the people that apply to our roles anyway so they've all got amazing qualifications and backgrounds so yes have those that's super important but stand out and and be unique and yeah so yeah get busy living just do what you love and 
just have an awesome time. And if you're excited about it as well, that's like, it's so much more interesting having a conversation with somebody who's like, yeah, I just did this awesome thing. Uh, and it's, it's related to what we do as well. And yeah, I'd say that's probably, probably the biggest thing. Um, I wasn't like directly involved in the sector before I met you anyway. So I don't really have any advice on how to get into it. Other than my situation was definitely a, a who you know, rather than what you know. I, I think that's true of everyone in so many ways though. So you might, like I had no connections coming out of uni at all. And I, I reached out and applied for tons of jobs and, and met an amazing recruiter who kindly helped me. And that was the same. And I made a sort of emotional deal with myself that when anyone else reach out and ask that question, I'll try and help if I've got capacity. The growth of this podcast, and Elle's in the room now, thank you for growing the podcast, Elle, but not thank you for the amount of requests I now get to do that said help. So at some point, I'm going to have to, well, if I have started, so I'll, I'll always reply, but sometimes I'll ask someone like you to speak to an applicant who can offer advice that I just can't get to them all at the moment. But I think everyone knows somebody. You maybe haven't got a connection directly into the industry you want, but if you if you know someone and you say, can I help or could you advise about, people like helping other people, so talk to lots of people, reach out and ask for help. And you might be three conversations away from someone. I mean, everyone can set up a LinkedIn profile really easily now and start connecting with people and see who's out there. We had an amazing guest on Freya who uh, literally admitted to just following my post, adding everyone who I interacted with and say, oh, we know Rich, can we have a chat? And I was like, I think I'm okay with that. I mean, it, and, and we ended up in... Um, Scotland talking to our amazing lead lawyer, Ross Simpson. He's like, oh, yes, I spoke to this Freya person who knows you. She's wonderful. I was like, I think fair enough, Freya. Like, it's working. So, I mean, don't upset people by doing that and don't get weird. She's not weird. Uh, but, yeah, reach out there and try and say hello to people. 100%. That, that is what they taught us to do at uni as well, you know. I can't remember the figure. There's like 75% of jobs aren't actually advertised or something like that. Um, they're all, like, you have to go out and find them. I got a lot of doors and get a lot of no's. And, um, James, that's all the time we have. One awesome first podcast for you thank you thank you we are uber delighted to have you as part of the team and i have no doubt at all in the years to come when me and chris get put out to pasture you will achieve far more than we ever have and if you don't that's our fault for not coaching you enough so um thanks for being on the shoot room thank you for having me bye guys